My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience, your 20-minute thrill ride for your commute or your workout. Biden says that this continues to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated, but is that what the science says? All of a sudden, liberals want to change the way we factor COVID hospitalizations. Georgia opens an investigation into 2020 ballot harvesting. New York Magazine says the answer to inflation is price controls. And the top five outbound mover states, all run by Democrats. All that and more coming up in this edition of the Greg Knapp Experience. Let's go. All right, so let's get started with Biden. He came out and he gave his little talk and he's still saying things that his CDC said back in April just really is not true. Give a listen here. It continues to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So we got to make more progress. And for patients who still haven't gotten your kids vaccinated, please get them vaccinated. Look out for their interest here. It's the best way to protect them. Okay, so much wrong in such a little amount of time. Let's get right to what it is here. This continues to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Is that really true? Well, it used to be true used to be called breakthrough cases when it was rare that somebody who was vaccinated contracted COVID, but not so much. December the 10th, it was reported by Reuters, most of the early cases of the Omicron variant in America were fully vaccinated, like over 70%. Now, it's true, most were travelers, so all the international travelers had to be vaccinated. Okay, got you. But now, as of January 4th, Houston... Methodist Research Institute study came out showing that Houston is now reporting nearly half of all hospitalized Omicron cases are vaccinated. Hmm. 9.9% had been vaccinated and boosted. So I don't think what you're saying is true anymore, Joe Biden, based on this thing called the science. And then to talk about the kids, your kids Your teenagers and younger in school are more at risk of dying on the way to school in a car accident than they are from COVID. That is a fact. That is not an opinion. And yet he's saying that's the safest way. No, no, no. So then we go to Jessica Chasmar. She points out even more about the erroneous nature of Biden's statement right there, because for months, Biden's been saying this, that the continued spread of the coronavirus is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. However, The Centers for Disease Control, since at least April, six months now, has been saying that it's not. The unvaccinated, not the vaccinated, the the unvaccinated, says says Biden. Everybody talks about freedom, not to have a shot or a test. Uh, But guess what? How about patriotism? How about making sure that you're vaccinated so you do not spread the disease to anyone else? Again, the CDC since April, quote, people can still get sick and possibly spread COVID-19 to others after being fully vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, they can. And the unvaxxed can possibly spread it too, no doubt about it. Now, the, the science had been saying that it seemed like the unvaccinated were more likely to get it, the unvaccinated, therefore, more likely to spread it. But now with Omicron, we're not so sure that's true anymore. But we definitely know that the vaccinated can catch it and can spread it. In fact, have you noticed how the term breakthrough cases isn't being used very much anymore? Hmm. While the COVID-19 vaccines can prevent severe illness, hospitalizations, and death, breakthrough infections still can and do occur, the CDC said over the summer. Again, CDC. 
in July. Infections in fully vaccinated people happen in only a small proportion of people who are fully vaccinated, even with the Delta variant. However, preliminary evidence suggests that fully vaccinated people who do become infected with the Delta variant can be infectious and can spread the virus to others. And Biden is still saying the same old stuff. Why? He needs to stop lying. Look, just be honest because honestly, it still looks like being vaccinated helps you. If it doesn't help you in terms of not getting Omicron, it sure looks like it still helps you in reducing the severity and reducing whether you die. That's good. And if the science still says that, then push that. But don't keep saying things that now have been proven not to be true. See, the more you lie, the more people won't believe you. And the more you lose trust. The boy who cried wolf. I mean, it's simple stuff. CDC expects that anyone with Omicron infection can spread the virus to others, even if they are vaccinated or don't have symptoms. That was December 20th. And yet here's Biden still saying the same old thing that he's been saying. On November 3rd, Biden urged Americans to get their children vaccinated to stop the spread. October 7, while defending his vaccine on healthcare workers, he said, vaccinated workers are protected from COVID and cannot spread it to you. It's just a flat out lie. July 21, town hall on CNN, Biden. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. That is just a flat out lie. The U.S. recorded its record number of COVID-19 cases for a single day this week on Monday, almost doubling the previous record of about 590,000 set just four days earlier. And by the way, 73% of the United States population is at least partially vaccinated now, 62% fully vaccinated, according to the CDC. And it's not just Biden. August 15th, Dr. Fauci told MSNBC, quote, vaccines prevent getting infected, prevent getting sick, prevent your hospitalization. That's just a flat out lie. It prevents some people. I mean, and yet remember now, you're the one spreading misinformation. We got to get you off Facebook. Uh-huh. So I'm going to tell you in just a second why so many um, vaccinated people are getting COVID-19, according to the AP, in just a second. But I'm asking you to be a part of this movement if you like the show. The movement is to push back on what the left is saying about America, that it's a horrible, awful, evil place, systemically racist and all that nonsense, and really show why America is exceptional and rally around that. And if you are all in on that, then please listen to the podcast, share it, subscribe to it, and like me on Facebook. It's the Greg Knapp Experience Facebook page. Thanks so much for being a part of it. I really appreciate it. Can't tell you how much. So this is from Laura Unger, the AP science writer. And she said, why are so many vaccinated people getting COVID-19 lately? Well, it's a highly contagious variant, this Omicron. Okay, I'm with her so far. Then she says, people might mistakenly think that the COVID-19 vaccines will completely block infection. Isn't that what they told us? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, but the shots are mainly designed to prevent severe illness, says Louis Mansky, a virus researcher at the University of Minnesota. That's a flat out lie. No, no, no. We were told the vaccines were being designed so that we would all get vaccinated and then nobody would get COVID anymore. And when they first rolled out, that's what we were told, remember? And then it changed. Now, listen, I have no problems with things changing. 
I understand that you thought the vaccine would had a had a 99% chance of of stopping you from getting the disease and now it's you know dropping down and over time it wanes more and it's not really a vaccine it's more of a therapeutic I get that things change over time just tell me the truth it was not it was not designed to prevent severe illness it was designed to stop covid Two doses of the vaccines, or one dose of the J&J vaccine, still offer strong protection against serious illness from Omicron. While those initial doses aren't very good at blocking Omicron infection, boosters rev up levels of the antibodies to help fend off infection. So here's this woman admitting that the initial doses aren't very good at blocking Omicron, and Biden's over there telling you, this is just, just a pandemic of the uh, unvaccinated, and you got to vaccinate your kids, and, and uh, that's the best way to save them, and everything will be all right. COVID outbreak in Belgian research station in Antarctica. Now think about this. You're in Antarctica. There's nobody else around but you researchers. In order for you to come to Antarctica as a researcher, you must be fully vaccinated. You must have taken your test before you come. And yet 11 of the 33 workers have tested positive. Well, what happened is now, someone went to South Africa in order to get to Antarctica and from their country of origin, but they were required to have their negative PCR test. Then they had to quarantine in South Africa for 10 days, then take another PCR test and five days into a quarantine period. And then on the sixth day after arrival, the first worker tested positive for COVID. <laughs> I can laugh because nobody's died and nobody's gotten severely ill here, but it's just hilarious that we're acting like we can stop this thing when we can't stop it in Antarctica with people who are fully vaccinated and people who have quarantined. Uh, the workers had all been fully vaccinated, with at least one having received a booster shot. Said all the cases have been mild. There are currently no cases at the station. I mean, it's great, but just stop lying about only the unvaccinated or the people who are getting it. It's just incredible. In fact, let me let me just tell you that that one more time. Had to grab my my info again. On December 10th, over 70% of the early cases in America were fully vaccinated people. The new study that just came out from the Houston Methodist Research Institute, 862 cases, nearly half of all hospitalized Omicron cases in Houston were vaccinated people. 9.9% of them had been boosted. Fact, not opinion. Greg, are you saying nothing to get vaccinated? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying... Shouldn't we at least be able to talk about the truth of who's getting Omicron now and then start trying to figure out why? That's what science is supposed to do. Meanwhile, it seems like the liberals are starting to come into our side of understanding maybe everything's not been done exactly right here with this COVID thing. Let's start with the new New York governor, Miss Hochul, because she's come out and said, we need to make an adjustment on our hospitals report patient intake. We need to distinguish between hospitalizations with COVID or because of COVID. Wait, haven't we been saying that for the last two years? Yes, yes, we have. And haven't people called us conspiracy theorists for that? Yes, yes, they have. Haven't they tried to get us off all the platforms? Yes, yes, they have. But now, now, now that a liberal's in charge, Biden, now we have to say, wait, wait a second. Maybe, maybe these hospitalizations aren't as many as we actually think because when people come in for... Uh, surgery or broken leg or whatever, they test you to see if you have COVID. And if you do, then all of a sudden you're a COVID hospitalization. Now you didn't come in for COVID. You may even be asymptomatic, but we're going to call you a COVID hospitalization. So now finally the liberals are starting to figure this out. 
So here she is, Miss Hochul. We're looking at a critical moment. We're, we're going to start asking some questions. We talked about the hospitalizations, and I've always wondered, always wondered, uh, we're looking at the hospitalizations of people testing positive, Dr. Hochul said. Is that person in the hospital because of COVID? Or did they show up there and are routinely tested and showing positive, and they may have been asymptomatic or even just had the sniffles? Oh, she's always wondered that. Someone is in a car accident. They go to the emergency room. They test positive for COVID while they're there. They're not being treated for COVID. Kind of sounds like a conspiracy theory. I don't know where she got this stuff. Hospitals must now clarify if patients with the virus came to the hospital due to symptoms or because of some other ailment. I just always want to be honest with New Yorkers about how bad this is, she said. The sheer numbers of people infected are high, but I want to see whether or not the hospitalizations correlate with that. And you know what? She's right. The point is, it took the liberals so long to finally be right, and they're not even willing to admit they were wrong and, you know, maybe throw a little credit to the people who have been saying this for the last two years. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who has been saying this, also has urged hospitals in Florida to distinguish which patients with COVID are there because of COVID or were just found to have COVID once they came in for something else. Yep. New York, another one. The New York Times. They have a writer now who has also just had this epiphany. And of course, he thinks he discovered it, that America sacrificed children's well-being for the sake of adult safety in the name of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Tim Needs pointing this out. Tuesday morning, the New York Times morning newsletter. Since the start of COVID-19 pandemic, Americans have accepted more harm to children in exchange for less harm for adults. Huh. Yeah. American children are starting 2022 in crisis. This is New York Times' David Lennart. I have long been aware that the pandemic was upending children's lives, but until I spent time pulling together data and reading reports, I did not understand just how alarming the situation had become. Yeah, some of us had been reading reports and looking at the data and using common sense since this thing started, and we were called horrible, awful, evil people who wanted children to die. Children have always been the least impacted by this. It's always been worse to keep them home than to let them go to school. And finally, some liberals are admitting it, and once again, not a shred of credit given to people like you and me who have been saying it since the beginning. In the newsletter, Leonard noted that due to lockdowns and other measures such as out-of-school learning via video calls, children fell far behind in school and have not caught up. <gasps> Shocking, who would have thought? Additionally, the writer stated that mental health problems, adolescent suicide attempts, gun violence, and other behavioral issues amongst children have increased. <gasps> really? And Leonard acknowledged that large parts of society falsely believed children would inevitably suffer from the virus. Wow! I mean, this is driving me nuts. He also shared his column via Twitter, stating he wasn't sure that many people fully grasp the depth of the damage being done to children. Um, yeah, we grasped it. We grasped it a long time ago. And all of a sudden, you're the one thinking that you've discovered this new thing. Eureka, I found it. No, dude, we found it a long time ago, and you're finally catching up and now acting like you discovered it. Man, it's enough to make your hair fall out. I still got some. Thank you. Not looking great today, but, and I love this from Guy Benson talking about, look, look at what the CDC has done. Now, remember, it's all about the science and we're supposed to ignore scientists like Dr. Malone, who was on Joe Rogan the other day. And if you haven't heard that, I, I highly encourage you to do it. He's the dude that came up with the mRNA technology that's used in the vaccines. He's out there talking about problems with the vaccine. And so he's promptly 
deplatformed from Twitter, has been deplatformed from LinkedIn. The Joe Rogan Malone interview has already been taken off of YouTube. You know, he can't be trusted, but the CDC can be trusted. Oh, really? Guy Benson. Over the holidays, the CDC informed Americans that Omicron had become the dominant COVID variant in the United States. A week before Christmas, we had headlines that Omicron had come to represent nearly three quarters of the new cases. But a week and a half later, um, did we say 73%? We meant 23%. Wait, what? 23%? Yeah. The most recent reports show that as of December 25, 59% of all use infections were caused by Omicron. Delta accounted for 41%. Okay, so wait a second. So they first said 73% of COVID infections were Omicron in mid-December. Then they changed it to 23%. And now they're saying, well, the real stat of Christmas was about 60%. Huh? And these are the people, this is one doctor. This is the entire CDC messing this up. And it could have led to people dying. It, it very well may have led to people dying. How? Well, Last week, the Fed stopped shipping two monoclonal antibody treatments due to lower efficacy against Omicron because of the CDC estimate that 73% of the new cases were Omicron. So because the CDC messed up and said the vast majority of these cases are Omicron and the monoclonal treatments don't work as well on Omicron, we're going to stop some of these shipments. Well, guess what? Most of those people still were under the Delta variant and could have really been helped by the monoclonal antibodies. We'll have no idea how many people died because of that. Thanks, Joe. How many people stricken with Delta died because the CDC got their numbers wrong? Meanwhile, it's not just those numbers. Look at what the CDC has said about isolation times, right? They slashed them in half. Then they said no test requirement at the tail end. And the new advice was based on, according to CDC Director Walensky, it really had a lot to do with what we thought people would be able to tolerate. Wait, what? I thought it was all about the science. Well, you know, whether people can tolerate it or not, that's part of the science. <laughs> and now there's been pushback, so maybe we will include a test at the end. That sounds like more science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't figure out why people are questioning what's going on here. And it goes right into Joe Biden's job performance. It's even worse than ever now. Sophie Mann pointing out it's a new voter survey. CNBC change research. Record percentage disapproved now of how Biden is running the country. In April, 49% disapproved of the job Biden is doing. Now, 56% of Americans disapprove of the job Biden is doing. 60% of the voters disapprove of Biden handling the economy. That's a six-point decline since December. And only 44% approve the job he's doing right now. All right. How about inflation? Well, 72% disapprove of how he's handled the rapidly escalating price of everyday goods. That would be inflation. And 45%, only 45% approve of how he is handling the pandemic. Oh, also half the respondents say the White House vaccine mandates goes too far. It's going well for Joe. The Washington Examiner pointing out that I-95 snowy traffic jam. You saw it. The drivers stuck on I-95 in Virginia up to 19 hours. One of the biggest snowfalls they've had in years. And the liberals tried to dunk on that new governor. You know, the people in Virginia elected that Republican governor, Yunkin. And man, he's just doing a horrible job. Looks like Yunkin failed his first test in Virginia with traffic stopped for 10 to 12 hours on I-95. 
Another one. Does Virginia's new Governor Youngkin know people have been stranded on I-95 for 15 hours with no help in sight? Well, this is a good start for uh, look for Governor Virginia's Governor Glenn Youngkin. Another one. Collateral damage between Glenn Youngkin and the wrath of God. So just on and on and on with people trying to dunk on Governor Youngkin. And somebody tweeted in, well, hey guys, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Governor Youngkin isn't sworn in till January 15. The current governor is still Democrat Governor Ralph Northam. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's just hilarious. Number one, because of that. But number two, last time you were stuck in a blizzard on a road, did you blame your governor? I mean, what is going on where we as Americans think anytime anything goes wrong, we have to blame it on whoever is the governor or the mayor or the president? Guess what? Not everything is the fault of politicians. Now, what they're saying is because there was rain going on right before the snow, they couldn't put the normal snow melt on because the rain just washes that away. I'm sure there's all kinds of problems and I'm sure some people did screw up. But guess what? When it snows a ton, there's going to be problems on the roads. Okay? It's never going to be perfect. And you do your best and you move on. And by the way, people have been warned, you probably don't want to go on the interstate. It's going to get messy. So, you know, I'm sorry, but sometimes these things happen. Everything is not the fault of whoever's in the White House or in the governor's mansion or in the mayor's office. Georgia is opening an investigation into possible illegal ballot harvesting for the 2020 election. Oh, man, listen to this. This is some amazing stuff. John Solomon reporting on this. Georgia authorities have launched an investigation into an allegation of systematic ballot harvesting during the 2020 general election in Georgia and the U.S. Senate runoff. And they're looking to issue subpoenas to secure evidence. That's from Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Now, remember, Raffensperger is not a guy that just said, yeah, yeah, Georgia blew it. Trump is right. Trump had the election stolen. He's been pushing back on Trump and saying, hey, look, we looked at everything and there was no voter fraud. So this is not some some far right wing guy just doing whatever he thinks is going to make the people who think the election was stolen happy. He's saying, well, this looks like some serious you know, evidence here that we got to look into. See, Georgia law prohibits third-party activists from doing the ballot harvesting. Now, why is that a bad thing? Ballot harvesting, you go around and collect the ballots from all these other people, and then you turn them in, the absentee ballots. Well, that means that you might have the ability to intimidate somebody into voting the way you want to as you're collecting the ballot. It means you may have the opportunity to tamper with the ballots. It's not a good thing. And that's why there's an almost every state says it's illegal. Georgia law strictly prohibits it. The liberals have tried to get it legalized in many battleground states without success. They just lost a Supreme Court case on it. But according to interviews and documents, Raffensperger's office received a detailed complaint from a conservative voter integrity group, True the Vote. See, there's a bunch of conservative conspiracy. Well, you still got to look at the evidence here, right? It had assembled evidence that scores of activists worked with nonprofit groups to collect and deliver thousands of absentee ballots often during the wee hours, to temporary voting drop boxes that were distributed around the state because of the pandemic. So the group informed the secretary, gave its evidence. It had video footage from surveillance cameras that were placed by the counties outside the drop boxes. And they kept seeing the same people coming in. We'll get to the details of that. They also used geolocation data from the cell phones of more than 200 activists seen on the tapes purportedly showing the dates and times of ballot drop-offs. 
Well, that's not fair. That's not right. Did they break the law? Are they stupid on people? I'll get to that again in just a second. The group said it interviewed a Georgia man who admitted he was paid thousands of dollars to harvest ballots in the Atlanta metropolitan area during the November election and the lead up to the January 5 runoff for the Senate seats. Both, of course, captured by Democrats and the GOP control of Congress. Pretty big deal. The group does not allege the ballots delivered were fraudulent. They would have no way of knowing. But lawful ballots delivered by third parties to the drop boxes would still be illegal, according to Georgia law. So let's get to the details of what we were just saying about the evidence. True the Votes complaint offered Raffensperger's office access to detailed phone records and surveillance video that they say show as many as 242 people repeatedly made trips to the drop boxes to deliver ballots. So, look, if, if you're just voting for yourself, you make one trip and you drop off your ballot. If you keep going back, you're dropping off other people's ballots, which is ballot harvesting, which is illegal in Georgia. They described it as a mass ballot trafficking operation. The aspect of the complaint that the secretary's office believed merited attention was the allegation the group had spoken to a man who admitted that others engaged in this, okay? Now, the FBI uses this tactic of the geolocation of the phones. They use it to solve crimes. They bought commercially available geospatial mobile device data showing the locations of suspected ballot harvesters' cell phones. Okay? Now, this is what this means. Kevin Brock is the FBI's former intelligence chief. He explained this. Mobile device data that identifies a smartphone's location is readily available and can be a useful investigative tool. Yeah, but you can't buy it. You're not the FBI. Oh, hold on. More than a few companies aggregate data that is linked to certain apps on the smartphone. When you, or a user, download an app, you agree to the conditions that allow companies to track your location. And most of this data is resold to advertisers. But when someone engages in illegal activity, it can be subject to subpoenas and other court order process. So you download an app, you say yes, you don't even read what you're agreeing to. And third parties can buy your data. And True the Vote bought the data. Nothing illegal about it. Man, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Really makes you think about how much you're being tracked everywhere you go with your cell phone. The phone data bought by True the Vote, overlaid with video, suggested 242 people engaged in a total of 5,662 ballot drops, an average of 23 runs per alleged harvester. And they also have video of the people taking photos of themselves at the ballot drop-off box. And they think it's because that's probably how they got paid. They had to prove they actually dropped off the ballots. The group said many of the alleged drops, more than 40% of those observed on the tape, occurred between midnight and 5 a.m., some brought so many ballots as they were stuffing them in, some fell on the ground. Now, I'm sure there's nothing wrong here. Nothing to see. Move along. New York Magazine, meanwhile, is, uh, is, is claiming that the answer to our inflation, price controls. <laughs> Who's afraid of price controls? This is a new article in the New York Magazine by Eric Levitz. And he said, this is an unorthodox measure to combat inflation, but nothing else is working. All these measures have the potential for negative side effects and unintended consequences, you know, changing interest rates and everything else. But the same can be said of raising interest rates. If policymakers reflexively presume the wisdom of conventional tools and dismiss the potential of unorthodox ones, we will all pay the price. So he's saying, you know, we got to look at price controls. Price controls could really work here. What's a price control? Well, price control means that the government sets the price of a good. You know, maybe, I just, just grabbing things here now, but 
maybe if we stop spending other people's money and printing more money by the trillions, maybe that would slow inflation. Just an idea. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but no, price controls. Okay, wait a second. Price controls artificially change supply and demand. This isn't a theory anymore. We've seen nation after nation after nation throughout the last decades and hundreds of years, actually, that have tried price controls and it always fails. And here's why it fails. You put a price control on and so, oh, more people go and buy that good because, hey, it's not that expensive. And then what happens? You run out of the good. You have shortages. Well, yeah, but if there's shortages, people will make more. Well, you know why people make more when there's a shortage? The price goes up. So the reward goes up. But if the price doesn't go up and you're really not making that much money at it anyway, why do you want to keep making it? Yeah, you get shortages. You get long lines. You get empty shelves. We've seen it time and time and time again. But no, no, this time. This time it'll be different because we're in charge and we know how to do this. We can centrally plan everything. Right. Oh, this is a great one. The annual moving survey from United Van Lines is out and the top five outbound moving states all run by Democrats. And why are people fleeing? Cost, lifestyle, family, and job. The top five, New Jersey. 70% of the people moving fled New Jersey. Of those involved in moves, 70% fled New Jersey. Then we had second place, Illinois, third place, New York, fourth place, Connecticut, fifth place, of course, California. Now, why did they move? Like I said, they were giving the reasons of cost, lifestyle, family, and job. So let's break those down. Cost means taxes are way too high, cost of living way too high. Lifestyle and family means schools, lockdowns, crime. Hmm, what a shocker. The top five outbound states all run by Democrats. My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience.